0: Talk about it, talk, talk about it, let's talk. Welcome back to the podcast Talk About It. I'm your host Perea and every episode I bring on a friend so we can talk honestly about our own experiences in order to erase the stigma around mental health and therapy. On today's episode, I talk to my friend Kevin about the process of finding a therapist and how it can sometimes take a few tries before you find one who's right for you. We also talk about destigmatizing being selfish and the power of saying no. And before we get started, I just want to do a little self-promo and remind you guys to please like, follow, and subscribe if you like to show your support of this podcast. You can also follow it on Instagram at talkaboutit.pod and on Twitter at talkaboutit_pod. underscore pod. Now that that's all covered, let's get into the episode.
1: Um, cool. So Hi. Sh- just Hi. <laughs> At just as we hit record, my ex decides you wanted to FaceTime me. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's getting ignored. Good thing we're not using my phone.
0: Or you could accept it and it could be part of the episode.
1: Oh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready for all that yet. She's definitely not.
0: Oh, my God. I can't wait to hear all about that. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Talk About It. I'm your host, Paria. And today my guest is Kevin. Kevin Zane is a close friend of mine who actually lives in New Jersey. As you know, this podcast is called Talk About It, and that means talking about mental health or therapy and destigmatizing and normalizing those things. And just the idea that going to therapy is completely normal, and I think that more people should be going and not afraid to go. I think that everyone can benefit from it. Even if you don't think you can, you probably can. But of course, part of the reason that it's so hard is it's not usually covered like, it's not, you know, general healthcare. And I know that healthcare is even different in the States than it is here. Like, you yeah. need to have, yeah. So, like, that's, I don't know what your experience is with, I mean, healthcare as a whole in the States, but especially therapy and like how accessible that is. Uh, can you talk about that? Sure.
1: Yeah. I've been lucky to never have any. Serious issues as far as uh, not being insured. Mm -hmm. You know, I was covered by my parents for a long time, and then by the time it came to I get kicked off of their coverage, I was fortunate enough to have my own. But you had it through an employer, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I've been with my current employer for thirteen years. So covered by them for a good long while now. And when I was younger, like you talk about normalizing and Mm -hmm. destigmatizing, for me that was never really an issue in my adult life because i actually went to therapy as a teenager right around 15 mm-hmm. and you know like any 15 year old you know it's something i don't want to say your parents forced it upon you but they they kind of brought the idea to the table and said you know this is what we're going to do and you know any 15 year old is initially going to be resistant and kind of yeah push i was back.
0: gonna say like I was going to ask if it was like your parents or someone who suggested or maybe even pushed you to go because it doesn't really seem like the thing that most teenage teenagers <laughs> would be like, I'm going to do this new thing called therapy. <laughs> like right. that isn't something you would on your own decide to do. Yeah, I'm not saying that
1: I always welcomed the idea, mm-hmm. but once I started doing it, I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of helping. This is kind of cool. I get to come in here and talk about the things that are Happening in my life and get a perspective on it that's not someone who's you know, so attached to the situation that they might be clouded or biased. And And then also
0: knowing that they're like a professional, so they're not judging you or they're not listening just so they can gossip about it. Like you feel (laughs) like you can confide in them and you can actually give them, you know, like you can be vulnerable around them and you can trust them. Yeah. I
1: would hope that all therapists are that way. And that's certainly how I felt with mine Mm -hmm. back then. Had I not felt comfortable with them, then obviously it, I'd be telling a different story.
0: Yeah, of course. Have you gone again
1: since you were 15? Well, that lasted, when I was 15, that lasted, you know, a year or two. And then never really felt like I needed it throughout my 20s. Once I got into my 30s, it started kind of creeping back into my brain. Like, there's, there's a lot of things going on and... Uh, in your life and may or may not have some people you can address this with. And maybe it might be time to get back into that. Mm-hmm. And So I did uh, a couple years ago. And, and
0: you recovered, right? You were saying like you, you, you were fortunate enough to yes. have well, like was, coverage for this through your job.
1: Correct. Yeah. It ended up being like each visit was like a $10. Co-pay. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, in that situation, I feel like it was kind of like you get what you pay for type deal. Unfortunately, Um,
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. You don't Um, think it's been as um, helpful, this most recent one?
1: Not the second time around. Not as an adult, no. Do
0: you think it was the therapist or do you think it was like where you were in
1: your life? I think there's a little bit of both there because I walked in there and I kind of gave a general idea of myself and I'm like, there's no specific reason that I'm
0: here. Or So that you know yet until you start going more and talking about And
1: then <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I, I i'm looking for you to tell me that i have a reason that i should be here yeah and i did uh maybe half a dozen sessions oh, with okay. this therapist and she really made me feel like i shouldn't be there oh um, that's interesting yeah and it was such kick in the nuts too because I spent a lot of time. Yeah, you're like,
0: I'm trying here and you're basically like, Why are you wasting my
1: time? Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I felt in the end. But I, I spent a lot of time even before I went in researching, like I actually wanted to find that same therapist that I had as a teenager. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. To see if, you know, she was still around. That would be um, so
0: interesting to like, not only for you, but also for the therapist to be like, here's I'm me sure. 20 years later.
1: <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> yeah. She has probably moved on to other places. Probably re- than, retired or yeah, moved other jobs. or something. I, mean, she, I felt I like she was relatively young back then. It wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. out of the question that she would still be in business. Right. But. I really only had a first name me and my parents both couldn't remember her last name right so that was that made it kind of hard but I did my best to you know I went online and searched my entire area yeah found something that like as you said was covered under my ins- insurance mm-hmm. and did my best to kind of find someone who could be like her
0: right and well, you were also just searching for like you were kind of wanting to replicate that experience like that you had the first time exactly
1: no, I guess like that might have been part of the problem, like I'm looking to get out of it what I got out of it. And it, it didn't quite.
0: And especially because you're like a different person now with different, like, for lack of a better word, issues, but you were like wanting to like recreate the exact same thing. And I will say, like, for people who are wanting to start therapy or considering it or who maybe have given it a shot like one or two sessions or something and then decided it wasn't for them, I will say that something I've heard a lot from friends who've tried it or even just like other podcasts i listen to or whatever is it is a process. And sometimes it is about finding the right therapist, like therapists are at the end of the day, individuals, and they're different people. And like, you know, they're all experts in their field, but they might have different approaches. And I've heard a lot of people say, like, I had to try two or three different therapists before I found one that really worked for me, because at the end of the day, it's kind of like a relationship, right? Like, you kind of have to be compatible, and you need to feel comfortable. And I don't think necessarily that can just happen with like picking a name out of a hat and being like, okay, therapy here, we go like you're it Mm -hmm. like it might just not work with that particular person that doesn't mean that therapy isn't for you for example with me so I finally started in November after like quite a few years of knowing that like therapy was beneficial to people and like thinking that it as a whole was a good idea but I didn't think I needed it personally until a couple years ago when I had like pretty bad depression. And then it just kept coming and going to the point that I kept saying I wanted to do it, but I wouldn't actually like make the step to book an appointment. And part of it was like, I would have these really bad lows, and then I'd feel better a day or two later. So then I'd be like, Oh, well, I'm fine. And then it would just kept happening. Like it kept, that cycle kept happening. And because I would feel better a couple of days later, I thought that I didn't need it anymore. But the whole point is having it like kind of being proactive instead of reactive. And finally, when I um, decided to start, when things got like pretty dark for me last winter, I knew that I wanted someone who kind of I could relate to so it was very important to me to find a therapist who was a woman of color and preferably also Persian just so like if I were to talk about things from my childhood or my life that had to do with like culture or family I just wanted her to be able to get it you know like understand that too and I do I love my therapist and I think a huge part of it is the fact that I can like tell that she gets it whereas like maybe I wouldn't have had the same experience with like a male therapist or just like a white therapist who was a woman or something like and I don't know nothing nothing about those therapists, but just for me, right? Like it wouldn't have been a fit for me. And even with her, I knew going in, I'm like, this might not be a fit, right? Because just because she's Persian doesn't mean she's gonna be like right for me. Thankfully it worked out that she was. But like I do think it is a little bit of a process and I think that's part of what pushes people away from it maybe because they're like, this is too fucking hard. I want to skip ahead to the where I'm healed and cured, right? So they're like, how many fucking people do I have to talk to and have consultations with before we get to the part that I feel better. So I think it's about realizing that it's like a process and it's not like there's a certain amount of sessions that you can go to and suddenly you're gonna be good as new, right? It's kind of like an ongoing thing. And you might even have one therapist that works for you for a while and after a while they don't work for you or something, right? So I think it's also just about being patient and understanding that when you're first starting out.
1: And I can absolutely relate to everything you were saying. Like I was I had like a list of check marks when I was looking for my therapist as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said you you prefer a woman mm-hmm. preferably Persian. Mm-hmm. I prefer a woman because that's who I was comfortable speaking with four, mm-hmm. but I also, you know, I'm a lot older than I was then. Obviously, it's how time works. Uh, so <laughs> I, I want someone who's older than me. You know, I don't want to right. going to like I'm 38 now. I don't want to be going to a therapist who's a decade younger
0: than me. No, that totally makes sense. Because you still kind of want to like look up to them and feel like they have the answers. And it's kind of weird talking to someone younger than you. And not to say that someone younger than you can't know what they're talking about. But again, like it's just that feeling of like you kind of want that like wisdom that comes from... You know, someone who's like been Absolutely. through it. I want
1: someone who has lived, you know, mm-hmm. their, their mm-hmm. 20s and, you know, at least part of their 30s that has, you know, somewhat of a, a shared experience. Like, I, I can't talk to someone in their 20s about what it's like to be in your
0: 30s. Yeah. Cause they're like, I haven't been there yet. Let me get back to you in 10 years. And you're like, hey, I guess I'll wait. For sure. So, yeah. Can you, um, I'm really curious because you and I have been friends for six years and like, I didn't know that you had been to therapy. And to be fair, that's not really a topic that you just bring up with your friends randomly, I guess, unless you decide to do a podcast about it. (laughs) Um, So I had no idea until now. Do you feel comfortable like talking about what you went to therapy for, especially the first time when you were a teenager?
1: Sure. Sure. Absolutely. What really um, problems in school is the short answer. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say academically okay because that was never never a major problem as long as i even gave you know, the smallest amount of effort mm-hmm. that was fine uh getting to the point where i actually wanted to give that effort and actually wanted to show up that was the problem and i can tell you straight up like the internet kind of ruined my teenage years where i would like be online in chat rooms until like two in the morning on a random you know Tuesday Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and when it comes to get up for school at 7 o'clock in the morning, guess who's too tired to get up? Yeah, that makes sense. And this became a pattern, mm-hmm. right? So my mom, you know, I'm child of divorce, so I was living with just my mom at the time, and uh, it got to the point where. You know, it got so bad that she just couldn't get me up in the
0: morning. Oh, really? So you're like, yeah, that's not important. I'm not doing it.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I I saw no reason to get up and go to school. I just really wanted to lay there and sleep. So obviously she's interpreting that as depression and maybe a little, but the issue was more of like just getting up and doing something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to better explain that.
0: It's really interesting though, that even your mom was able to, so like- after seeing you do that for a few weeks or months or whatever, it was her idea for you to go to therapy. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. So that in itself is huge because I feel like a lot of people and parents, again, because of what we've been saying already, there's a lot of stigma around mental health and going to therapy and people thinking that you only need to go to therapy if you're, air quotes, crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, so like if you're not going through something like obviously horrible in the way that like general society thinks is like bad enough to warrant therapy people don't think that you need it right and that's also why I feel like I mean things have gotten a little bit better now so hopefully people don't have the same reaction now or not as much but I feel like often when people hear that someone's going to therapy they automatically go like oh no like what does that mean is that person
1: I mean it definitely wasn't common at the time
0: yeah so that's why I think it's huge that your mom was the one to like suggest it like because I feel like a lot of People and parents would be like, I don't want to have to admit that there's something wrong with my child because, and I say wrong because of that stigma, right? And especially that stigma like a couple decades ago, even more so. Like that's huge that she did that because I feel like a lot of people would be like, well, maybe your kid, but not my kid, (laughs) right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of amazing that she took that first step and also that you... I mean, maybe you didn't really have much of a choice, but the fact that you did it <laughs> is pretty big.
1: Yeah. I look back very fondly on it too. You know, I think it, it really helped me. In the end, I think her fear was that I was just going to become a dropout and like waste your life away. And- exactly. Yeah. And she, I don't know the specifics. I can't speak for her. I'm pretty sure she had had her share of therapy sessions okay that that also makes sense yeah right and i think you know my father heard about this and he always said i think she's there more for her than you you know do you have
0: like family therapy or were you alone in the session
1: um both i've spent a decent amount of time in there by myself but there were also times where i would be in there with one or both parents
0: oh interesting okay so then so your dad thought that your mom wanted it for herself but was using you as like a reason to go back to therapy or
1: something yes And there's probably some truth to
0: that. Yeah, I mean, it can be both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's also good for her to go so that it's not really bad. And if you benefited, it's not like you were really being used, I hope. (laughs) It's interesting. So it gets started with you going to high school when, like, obviously the internet was around. And you have about 10 years on me. And even I know that it, like, really affected me. And that I'm wondering, so, like, the people you were chatting with, were they friends from school or were they just people from all around? And that was part of the allure that you could talk to people from, like, the other side of the country, the other side of the world. Yeah, absolutely. So it was that. It wasn't, like, your classmates.
1: No, very few. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, very few of my friends were, like, attracted to the internet in the way I was. I feel like I was a very early adapter. We're talking – keep in mind, this is 1997.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask because I'm like, what year – 1997. So it was like, that's when it was like chat rooms. Like you had to yes. fully go into a chat room. Right. Yeah. I was I five. Think- <laughs> <laughs> so I was not doing
1: that. We're talking the very early days of AOL Instant Messenger. Oh my and God. there was something called ICQ. Right. ICQ.
0: Oh, and you were doing the whole like ASL age sex language? Yes. Yep. It's I remember doing that when I was like eight or nine, which why was I doing that? <laughs> <laughs> why was I talking to anyone whose age was more than nine? I don't know. And you definitely lied. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm like, I'm 14. That's yeah, exactly. cool. You're so old.
1: <laughs> You're, You're so old.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's part of the allure. And like, did you have a lot of friends at school at the time? Um, at the time,
1: I wouldn't say a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, My friend group got much bigger, much later in life. At the time, I'd say I had, you know, a close handful, four or five, like really close friends and that not many outside of that. Because I'm
0: wondering if like that's also part of, because like I know, I guess for like a lot of kids who maybe don't care, and I'm not saying this is you, but like kids who don't care about like school like academics into like I don't care about grades or whatever they will still go to school because their friends are there and they have something to look forward to so I'm that's why I'm kind of wondering like did you also not really have like anything to look forward to like there was no reason for you to get up and go you would rather just talk to people on the computer
1: I definitely felt that way I definitely felt like there was no reason for me to get up and go I definitely felt like the classes I was taking weren't going to be beneficial for me in any way shape or form in that present time or in the future, the classes I had, I really didn't have with my friends anyway. Right. So. It was
0: just like a negative experience. You're like, what's the point?
1: Right. And think. honestly, like, I, I hate to say it was all for naught because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like I said, I really look back on the therapy experience fondly. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I did end up dropping out very early. Yeah. Like, I didn't even get through 10th grade, you know? Yeah. I went and got my GED after that and, you know, ended up changing my life for the better.
0: Mm-hmm. But hmm But it, 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 like, you had a positive experience through therapy but what your mom wanted to happen didn't happen like it's not the therapy didn't do anything you just had help in a different way through therapy
1: right it it wasn't catastrophic Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know speaking more to the school experience the the problem for me was I really had problems with teachers and principals and And authority yeah yeah I've you know that's kind of stuck with me throughout my life is the whole problem with authority thing and you listen to my father talk and tell some stories about him, you know, when he was a certain age, um, and you kind of see where I get it from.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, so he was also like that, and then you kind of just followed in this.
1: I I, I think so. In a way. You know, like, he was the type where he never would have been caught in a therapist's office. Yeah. You know, had my- It I'm makes sense of his that.
0: time, too, because you're saying oh, yeah. he's just 61, right? So- 67, Now. Yeah. 67. Where did I get 61? from? Um, 67. So yeah, that timing makes sense that he would not- Was he also kind of like kind of chastising you or your mom and being like, why are you taking him to therapy? He doesn't need therapy. Uh, Like that kind of thing. He was never
1: like that. Like to his credit, you know, they didn't always get along, but he would never bad talk my mom in front of me. Even to this day, like I know they had bad experiences. You know they were on and off for probably close to ten years before finally getting a divorce. Wow! And I was very very young at the time. I never really even knew them mm-hmm. together in my lifetime. Yeah, I have a similar experience. Uh, but he still wouldn't talk bad about her. Like like I said, that thing about him saying therapy was more for her than me was probably one of the most negative things that he's ever said about her and to me. I and mean. it's
0: not even that bad. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's really good to hear. I definitely did not have that kind of experience, (laughs) mostly with my dad. My dad had no problem talking shit about my mom to me when I was eight, like completely was like, choose me. I'm the better parent. Your mom sucks. And it Mm -hmm. that's like a whole other thing of like, yeah, what not to do, by the way, parents. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. um, So I'm very happy that you didn't have that experience (laughs) because mine was not good. But I am interested. Okay, so you said you had a problem with authority. Did you have a problem with the therapist as an authority figure?
1: No. No. No, not at all. Like, I always saw her more like, you know, a, a confidant. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go as far as to say a friend, but like, th- there was a degree of trust there. Yeah. Cause she wasn't
0: like telling you what to do. She was there to listen to you. Yes. Whereas you didn't really feel that way. Yeah. And she offered
1: peers. solutions that, you know, no adult figure in my life prior to that had done. She just, she had opened doors for me like, right. to see things differently to view adults
0: which would be really cool if like more teachers also did that well not to like put it on teachers they already do so much
1: i think that like the impetus for me like even going there in the first place was i also had a great and close relationship with one of my guidance counselors okay and she started with me in middle school in like sixth grade i think My first year of middle school would have been in sixth grade, and that was also her first year as a guidance counselor. Spent the three years of middle school with her, and then she moved up to the high school at the same time that I did. Oh,
0: great. So she just, like, went with you. Yeah, yeah. Not not necessarily
1: with me, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) you know, it's probably a better job being in a high school whatever. And she just happened to move at the same time, and I was like, this is great because I get to maintain that relationship. Yeah, I don't have to start all over again with a new person. Yeah, and that good relationship I had with her – uh, it's probably what led me to having a good relationship with my first therapist.
0: Okay, so when you had a problem with authority, was it male and female that you had problems with? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, cuz yeah. I was just wondering cuz <laughs> the two that you mentioned that were good were both women, like your guidance counselor and your therapist were both female, so I was wondering if maybe you had it was easier for you to like listen to female authority figures, but it seemed like Either way, it was bad if it was, like,
1: telling you what to do. (laughs) Yeah, What you said, that's probably true. You know, I probably am more willing to listen to a woman, Mm -hmm. hence me having a dozen close female friends to this
0: day. I was going to say, probably (laughs) part of the reason why we're so close and able to talk to each other so easily and well, too, is you have, like, a lot of positive relationships with women and probably did, obviously, since you were a kid. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm wondering, like, probably had a good relationship with your mom? Um. Yes
1: and no. It wasn't bad. <laughs> I mean that's that's a whole other thing. Like we had our moments, especially around this this time period that we're talking about here. She definitely didn't see me as, you know, a <laughs> I don't even know the word to use, but like I wasn't like the good boy all the time. Okay. You know, I could have been much worse.
0: She had like thinking. higher expectations for you. Probably. And like let it be known. Yeah. Like she was like made it clear that she was like disappointed. Or just expected more?
1: Yeah. I mean, she definitely wasn't strict. She definitely, you know, I look back and I think like she would spend her last dollar so I would have some sort of, you know, enjoyment or entertainment. Mm-hmm. Or, like back then, you know, this might not compute for you, but like video stores were a huge thing. Oh, that definitely <laughs> does.
0: I was just saying to my boyfriend <laughs> yesterday where I had a random like memory and like, like, oh, I wish I could. Just, like, I love that feeling when I would go as a kid with, like, my friends after school and you got to, like, pick a movie or two that you would rent and watch over the weekend or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember if it was, like, the new releases would be two-day rentals and I'd be like, well, I'm going to get my money's worth so I would just watch it as many times as I could in those two days. (laughs) Which is just insane because, like, now that we have every possible movie with, like, Netflix and all the other streaming sites, like, we don't just re-watch the same movie five times in two days.
1: But I definitely did that. Definitely did a lot of that as a child. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, the entire 90s for me mm-hmm. was like at least on Friday night, if not during the week, she would just go and like she would literally spend her last dollar. Mm-hmm. So I would have something to entertain me. So in that, like, I appreciate that more and more looking back, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're that age and even younger, you don't really appreciate the value of a dollar. Yeah. And the fact that they're working really hard to Make that dollar. Yeah,
0: when you finally start working for yourself and realize how you do have to work for every single thing that you get in life, you really appreciate what your parents like did for you, and especially if it's not even just food and shelter, but also entertainment and enjoyment. Like she also knew that was important
1: for you. Yeah, that was very important for me, especially when I would be spending time with her and her side of the family, because on that side I was an only child. Mm -hmm. Father's side I had two stepsisters. Okay, who were pretty much always around. You know, so. Two very different experiences. Like my mother always looked like I need, you know, something to entertain this kid. Yeah. He doesn't go out with friends a lot and he's by himself. He doesn't have brothers, sisters, family members, cousins even really. And do you know if there, there was like, a, was there a reason you didn't go out with friends a lot? Um, I never, going back to when I was very young, like I was never comfortable going to other friends' houses to sleep over. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of intentionally avoided that always. I'm, not comfortable if I'm not in my own bed. Still to this day. Pretty much, yeah. Except for when like we I travel
0: had. to fancy places. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I look at that as my my own temporary bed.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> at least.
1: Yeah, it's not to that degree, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that I won't travel, especially now as an adult, Mm -hmm. but um, back then it's like, I really don't want to, you know, sleep on somebody's floor in a sleeping bag that was not at all appealing to me. Like,
0: this isn't fun, why would I choose your dumb sleeping bag on the living room floor (laughs) over my comfortable bed? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and even like non-sleepovers though, like you didn't like to go out, like you'd rather just go home and... Yeah, pretty much, like
1: Like, I I was always more than content with, you know... uh, three, four, five movies for the weekend, maybe, you know, throwing in a video game occasionally. I was never a big gamer, but I had them. You know, they were there, especially once the internet uh, came around. Like, then I really started entertaining myself. Yeah, like,
0: so. there's so much out there. <laughs> it's so weird for me because, like, I know you now as such a social person and, like, we have mutual friends together and I know you have also other friends who aren't my <laughs> friends. Um, and it's so weird to think that, you were at a time like being like, eh, you could take it or leave them, you know, like you don't really need them around. Yeah, um, but I also guess that's part of why our friendship has been so successful, even though we live in different countries and have only actually seen each other in person like a few times is because, you know. Like, the internet. (laughs) Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. I mean, if we didn't have this tool Mm -hmm. here to communicate with each other pretty much daily, Mm -hmm. like, especially, you know, at least this year, it's been pretty much every day. Just a couple, you know, chat messages back and forth, if not full-blown video chats or something like this. If it weren't for the
0: internet, like, even if you did go, like, we met in Hawaii in 2014. And if it weren't for the internet, and even if you went traveling, and you happened to meet some cool people there, and, like, during the trip became friends you would have to just accept the fact that when you go your separate ways that's probably the end of it you know like yes but thankfully for us like it didn't have to be the end of it because then we just kept in touch on like twitter and instagram and this and whatever and like i consider you one of my closest friends so i guess it also helps to like have that experience like already because I know that some people aren't as good with it like I do hear sometimes people are like I just like I need to be like face to face with friends like I'm not a good texter or emailer like social media person like that just doesn't work for me so I guess it also just kind of worked out that we
1: are good at that (laughs) yeah Yeah. we were as it turned out we were very compatible because I feel like we shared a lot of the same beliefs and to a degree Mm -hmm. interests totally
0: yeah because otherwise, you wouldn't be putting in that effort to stay friends with someone who you only spent a couple of days in Hawaii with, right? So, <laughs> yes. so that really worked yeah. out. So, when you went back recently, what was it that prompted that? Like, what made you want to go back?
1: When you said earlier, like you had your dark moments, mm-hmm. and then the next day it would kind of be okay, yeah, and you'd put it on the back burner and say, all right, eh, you know, for your, let's forget about it for now. But those dark moments kept becoming more frequent Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I would keep like the running list of potential therapists in my phone. And I was like, all right, let's see, is this one still around? Is this one still here? Is this one still there? And it was probably a solid year of doing that. That's why I said I put in a lot of time into picking this one that I picked. Mm -hmm. So it was especially like. Heartbreaking, almost, yeah. to a degree, when I was like, God, this, this is not what I expect. I'm not Because getting... in
0: your point of view, you're like, I put in the effort even before my first session with you. Like, how dare you not take me seriously?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is like, I, I shared this story with one of my friends uh, recently, and she's like, oh, uh, you should go to this one my sister goes to. Like, she's really good, and she's been going to it for a while. She really likes her. You know, I'm going to get her get her a name. She got me her name. You know who it was? Who? Same
0: one. No. And this is
1: after you'd already been to a few sessions?
0: Yes. Yeah. You were like, you're a liar. Because that person's <laughs>
1: <up>. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you—you you, really? Your sister likes her? Because she made me feel like I should get the fuck out of her office. I can't even um,
0: believe she would do it. Like, so you said that when you went in, you kind of didn't have anything specific and you were hoping that she would help guide you to that, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, and, and just off the things I told her, like her main advice that she came back with was kinda like, maybe spend some more time with one of your stepsisters. And you're like, That's it? I'm paying you for that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Aside from the fact that like that was not really an issue mm-hmm. and you know, it's very low on the priority list and very low on you know, no disrespect to stepsisters at all, but um did not get what I was looking for out of it. That really sucks. And I'm sorry. That's I, I don't want to Keep saying that and have people get discouraged. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to what you were saying about finding that right person. Like, don't be afraid to go Mm -hmm. to a session or two or three Mm -hmm. and then say, all right, maybe this isn't working out but then trying someone else.
0: Yeah, because I've also heard people talk about that. Like, say you go to a few sessions and you feel like it's not working and then you're like, well, now how do I tell them? Because that in itself is kind of like, especially if you're someone like me who doesn't like confrontation, because it's kind of like a breakup, right? Like you're like, now I have to tell this person that they're not helping me. And like, how do I do that? But like something you need to remember, like if you're out there listening and that is what's happening with you is at the end of the day, they want what's best for you. And they want you to have a positive journey and get to somewhere where you feel better. So if you think that it's not working for you, they're not gonna like take personal offense. You know, like it's okay. They'll get it. They're not gonna be upset. They're not gonna have their feelings hurt. It's better to say so I'm that. I'm sure it's happened just, before. Yeah, it's probably happened before, and they probably already maybe they feel it too. Like it's probably a two way street in a way. When you feel like it's not compatible, like they might also feel like maybe I'm not the right one for
1: you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, you know, I forget the exact quote but I'm pretty sure she did at one point she's like yeah I think we're we're kind of good here I think we're you know kind of kind of at the end and I'm like okay um wow yeah, she's like maybe call me if you feel like you need me at some point down the road and I'm like yeah okay I will I didn't.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna be honest even I sometimes with my therapist who I absolutely love and adore and who like every time I'm done I'm like I can't wait to go back like I'm like so excited for the next session but sometimes I think I'm like does she think like my- problems are stupid like does she think that i'm complaining about dumb things and she's like Ugh, girl whining when I, then i have to remind myself yeah. that i'm like that's her job yeah and her job is also to kind of have like not a completely straight face but like it's not your friend going like oh my god no
1: way right, yeah. so
0: like you have to kind of remind yourself that like it's not their job to react that way so don't get so in your head and start thinking all those things but your situation is different because she straight up told you like i think we're good <laughs> but like it does make me wonder if she meant like me and you are relationship or if she meant like you don't need therapy
1: yeah and and that's the thing is like i want to be here and and say like to a degree i feel like everyone needs therapy like Mm -hmm. or they could at least benefit from it Mm -hmm. so that's why i'm here that's why i'm talking about this and i hope the next time that we get around to talking about this Mm -hmm. i have found that person yeah you know I, i sound like i'm looking for A lover. I'm
0: not. (laughs) Um. I mean, I've honestly heard people compare it to that again and like not – romantic but it is intimate like people have probably told their therapist things that they haven't even told like their closest friends or their siblings or their parents right so like
1: yeah, that's kind of why they're there yeah
0: at the end of the day it is a very intimate relationship and you need to not only trust that person but feel like they also are like fully listening and respecting your time and everything so mm-hmm. it is about kind of finding that one and I also want to say like I do genuinely think that every single person on this planet benefits from it but as I've said before not every needs it to the same degree right like some people go multiple times a week some people go once a month some people go and then they're like I think I'm okay maybe I'll pick it up again in a few months or in a year like and maybe it is true that like maybe you got to a better place and she saw that it doesn't really sound like that to me. It seems like you were like, I still have stuff to talk about. (laughs) So that's why it kind of sucks. But like, I do also think like, if you are someone who's going and feel like it's helping you, because at the end of the day, like therapy is also kind of a tool. And like, at first, it's like you learn things that you didn't know about yourself, or even other people. And like, the more and more you go, you see, you learn to recognize things in yourself. And you learn to go like, Oh, when I do that, like, I have to acknowledge it. And like, not push it away, but just be like, okay, I'm acknowledging it, but I know that that's not helping me. So I'm going to move on from like that thought. And like, after a while, you don't need to go as often because you've basically learned a new skill in a way right like with your own mind so you might not need to go to a therapist as often because now you've learned that and can do it with or without them and then maybe like down the line you're like okay new things have happened i need help again because this isn't as easy as all that like something has happened and i need help and then you can go again more frequently so just like a reminder to people who might be hearing this and being like well then what's the point i do think that some people need it more some people need less sometimes you don't need it as much where you are at that point in your life yeah so you still are wanting to go like that she didn't deter you she just deterred you from wanting to to go with her correct yeah right and then but now you're back to the drawing board of like well now i need to find someone again kind of thing right
1: and like i'm not actively searching right now probably because mm-hmm. i don't want to just go sit in a small room with a stranger yeah. because of <laughs> covid uh but eventually i do hope to go back and again like you said i don't want to discourage anybody because mm-hmm. of my one negative experience mm-hmm. even th- there was benefit to it for me in a way that i was able to tell her things and talk about things that I wouldn't really be comfortable saying to any one of my friends, really. Mm -hmm. That's a big reason of why they're there and why they're so successful. You can tell them these things that, you know, you know, they're not going to go back and and gossip. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. Yeah. It's really freeing even just to get something off your chest. Like for me going to therapy, like sometimes I've said things out loud that I didn't even realize I thought or that I remembered until I got to like that memory through therapy. And you just realize like all these things that you've repressed from your childhood or when you were a teenager or whatever that like were there, but you weren't actively remembering them. Mm -hmm. It's just like talking through it and, you know, talking about it (laughs) where like you kind of, get to that point. So like, I'm hoping that people have someone out there that they can trust to just at least connect with, even if it's not a therapist. Though, again, another reason why therapy is better than just talking to your friend is also like there's no judgment or you feel like oh they're just waiting for their turn to speak (laughs) you know (laughs) because it's like okay now my turn to share a story because like it is about you like it's that hour is about getting through your stuff you know so it's definitely helpful i'm sad that your second experience wasn't as good and i am really hoping that it was just her
1: (laughs) I'm, i'm thinking it was
0: and you said so you said you went back this most recent time because you kind of were having like a
1: bit of depression would you say I I don't know if I'd go that far because mm-hmm. you know in all honesty look at the things that are going on in my life and I feel like I'm doing pretty well mm-hmm. like but there's not so much that I could or should complain about mm-hmm. so it's it's not that it's just you would have these moments where it was like I don't even know how to describe it just where you 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 need you need an outlet mm-hmm. you know Yeah that makes sense. It, it's it's funny what you were saying about even if you just had the friend Obviously, I have friends. I know friends that will sit there and listen to me. But in my mind, I feel like I'm burdening them with my meaningless problems. And they may or may not see it that way, but I'm thinking it. So I went out and found a professional Mm -hmm. who, you know, it's now their job to, quote unquote, be burdened with your problems. They probably don't see it that way either. They see it like they have a job.
0: Well, I get that. I mean, I don't think if you ever came to me, I would... (laughs) You would not be burdening me. But I understand that feeling because like even me talking to my friends, I don't know if you ever do this, but like there's memes about this too, where like you'll rant or vent about something and then afterwards being like, well, anyway, that's that's all I have to say. What is everyone else doing? Like, how are you guys all going doing? Like, are you okay? Because you kind of feel like suddenly ashamed about taking people's time to talk about your personal stuff. And that's not like your friends are there to listen. Like they do care, Right. And then I know, like, again, like I said, I could sometimes feel like that way in therapy. And it's just that in itself is something to work through to, like, remind yourself that your thoughts and, like, your feelings and the stuff you're going through are valuable and worth discussing. And, like, that in itself is something to work through and not kind of, like, downplay what you're going through.
1: Yeah. And I definitely felt that, you know, probably because I was that friend for Many, many years. Like, I don't feel like I'm that friend that much anymore. And there's no reason for that. I feel like just people grow up and grow apart. But for a long time, I feel like I was that friend that a lot of people came to, mm. to talk about their problems and, you know, ask for advice on certain things and tell things that they couldn't tell others. Like, I'm, I'm that mutual friend. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people have their own groups of friends, but then they also have me. So they know if they come and tell me something, I'm not then going to go to all their other friends. Right. To talk about this. You know, they're when they talk to me, they know they're talking to me and just me. Mm-hmm. And I was that person for a long time. And I never had a problem with it. I loved helping people. And it made me think like maybe that's, you know, we we sometimes we talk about in our private chats, you know, we talk about alternate universe Kev and what what he'd be doing at this moment, mm-hmm. you know. And definitely in one of those alternate universes. You know, there's a Dr. Zane There's a therapist.
0: There's a Dr. Zane. Oh my God, Dr. Zane. (laughs) I'm calling this Dr. Zane. And he's definitely
1: (laughs) out there helping people on a a professional level, not just on a friend
0: level. That's so interesting that you were that person and you liked being that person, but then you feel bad and like you're burdening other people if you go to them. You've kind of almost taken on that role of you're like, no, it's my job. Like you're supposed to come to me. I'm not supposed to bother you.
1: I definitely feel bad. Or have felt that.
0: well, I feel like that in itself is something to like work through in therapy. So it's it's sad that like that didn't work. And like I mean, I do hope you find someone who is a better fit whenever you do feel like you've, you know, are ready to go back. I will say though, on the note of like therapy during COVID, for me personally, I'm doing virtual sessions right now. Makes sense. And I know a lot of places offer phone and virtual sessions. I remember the first few weeks of all this, I had like an appointment. And they were like, just so you know, you can come in if you want, or you can do like these virtual sessions. And at first, like I thought, oh, that seems like really disconnected. I don't feel like I'm going to get the same thing out of it if I'm talking through her through like a camera, you know. So the first time I still went to my session because it was like very, very early days. And then by the next one, I was like, okay, no, I need to do virtual. Let me just try it out and see. And it was fine. It was totally fine. Like, I didn't feel, other than some technical issues the very first time, which (laughs) kind of sucked. I was like, I lost 10 minutes. Like, I only have so many. (laughs) So, like, that did suck. But then after that, it was, like, smooth sailing. And thankfully, it didn't feel weird. And at this point, I probably have had just as many, if not more, sessions virtually than I did in person. It's just like, it's kind of one of those things that's like the new normal now <laughs> during COVID. So I do know a lot of places offer that. I you know it would be a little bit different for your first session because at this point I knew her. I guess it's a little different if it's also like a consultation with a potential new therapist
1: and it's virtual. Right, yeah. I really want to be able to look someone, you know, in the eyes uh-huh. the first time we go through all this. Yeah. Like you said, I don't think I would have a problem doing it if I had an ongoing relationship yeah, prior. exactly. Like this is the best. Way to do it, that's how we're going to do it, yeah, and then get back to normal whenever we can. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't think I'd want to start off with somebody like yeah. that. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes I definitely sense. wouldn't have a problem with it because that's how a lot of my sessions, where I was the quote unquote doctor, yeah, were done. Like there was text, and before that, it was aim. well even we just
0: talked about it like going back to when you were a teenager like you were used to that method of communication like it didn't really feel like a disconnect for you right so you probably can do it but yeah it's different with like a new person you've never met who you're kind of like hoping to confide in you're kind of like i need to see you in three-dimensional form yeah
1: I'm, i'm big on eye contact i'm a big eye contact guy yeah like there are people who avoid it a lot and you notice it when you're like me and you're Constantly trying to establish eye contact and you can't get a person to look it's at It's
0: ironic you. because my camera is working, but yours is not for me. So as <laughs> you're saying this, I'm looking over at where your face should be for me and it's just <laughs> this like gray icon. So I'm like, Sorry. yeah, icons.
1: No, I know it's mine, but you can see me and you can see you, yeah. right? I, I can't see me. Oh. Like I didn't even start that up. Like I wasn't going to. We had some technical issues getting started here today and my camera wasn't working, but the microphone is working fine and you're right i can see you but i didn't realize that i could see you until about halfway through i just had the <laughs> screen open and then when i s- switched back over to that screen i was like oh she she is over there so now That's you know, so I have, you know
0: like, like i was never gonna post the video anyway it was just more for like yeah. us yeah it's better when- but yeah that makes sense it makes and i guess especially if you're in a place right now where you don't really, really, really feel like you absolutely need it, then it's fine. Like maybe if there's someone out there right now in the middle of all this COVID-19 mess who's like, I really need to start therapy, maybe for them it will be worth it to at least try a virtual session and see how it goes. But like if you're in a better place right now where you're like, I think I'm okay. I think I can wait until in-person stuff starts opening up then yeah you have to do what's best for you right
1: and there are a lot of resources out there like i'm not here to promote anything you know it's not an ad Uh, (laughs) but there are you know services out there which are exclusively through text Mm -hmm. or exclusively through you know the telephone Mm -hmm. people who actually talk on the phone (laughs) or through video i'm sure as well like it's all out there it's all offered whatever is comfortable for you you can do. For some
0: people, that might be what they prefer, because there's a lot of people who are like awkward in person, or like you know, maybe unlike you're bad with eye contact and they're like, I'd rather just talk on the phone or I'd rather just message or like it might not even be about that. It might be like, it's hard for me to get to that office because of my schedule, because of traffic or because of this. Like it's so hard for me to make an appointment that I can make. Whereas like if it is virtual or over the phone, then that's cut out, right? Like you can do it from wherever you are. You can do it from your home. You can do it from your car, wherever you feel comfortable. So there definitely are positives to the fact that that's an option. So, I mean, if you are someone out there who is looking into it, like there's definitely a lot of benefits and like, you won't know unless you try, right? Like you can try it out. And then if you're like, I'd rather do this in person, then you can try again later. Like, it's like, you're not going to lose anything from trying it, you know? For sure. Yeah.
1: So the $10 copay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> $10 copay. <laughs> just start off the session with that. Like that with the therapist. Like, this is costing me $10. So you better cure me immediately. I'm not wasting $10 on you. <laughs> I wanted to also go back to what you said about when I asked about depression, and you're like, it's not that bad. And I think depression is like a really hard thing to define because for the longest time, like the way I also saw it and heard it before I had experienced it was just like sadness. And I think part of the reason people when they don't get it they're like just get over it just smile just laugh and it's like it's not like that because it's not just about being like in a bad mood and I still have trouble defining it but it's like I'm able to recognize when it's happening now, and I think when it first started happening to me two summers ago, like I was like, "What is going on?" It was just like completely messed up my mood, and I would go from like extreme sadness to like extreme like anger. Like my temper was on high because of it, and like my emotions were all messed up. I don't know if like that's part of it, again because I don't really fully know how to describe it, but like it's, it's very hard to quantify. Yeah, exactly. Points. And like I feel like maybe different people experience it differently, but I was like, I know something's going on, and I knew it was from something something. something deeper, something that was going on with my relationship at the time. It was just like really messing me up. And that's when I first was like, I need to go to therapy. I actually did that summer make a consultation appointment, but I still didn't go again until it got like really, really, really dark for me. So it is kind of Because it isn't something like even if you know you want to do it, it's like it's a big step, right? You have to do the research. You have to find the right person. You have to like make an appointment. And then I remember, though, a friend of mine, when it was first happening to me, she said to me, you shouldn't wait until it gets bad again because like when you're in that really, really deep dark place like that's not the time for you to pick up your phone and start researching right like yeah you should already have that's it.
1: what i did for a while
0: yeah that's what i was doing too like and i would talk about it but then like i'd feel better a day or two later and then i'd be like oh i guess i'm fine and that was just like i was just having a bad day so then i would just brush it off and be like oh it's not a problem i'm not gonna look into it and then something would like it would happen again but like when you're in that moment of being like like i don't know crying or just feeling so horrible you're like not really wanting to pick up your phone and start Googling therapists. Like that's not the number one thing on your mind. So that was a really good piece of advice where I'm like, okay, I need to look into it when I'm feeling good. So I have something prepared for when I'm not feeling as good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And mine was a mixture of a little of both. And like you said, there were moments of anger. Like that's when it really stuck out to me. Like when I would just get angry Mm -hmm. for a reason and like teenage me, Back then, you know, I was the stereotypical white teenage boy who'd go around punching walls. Like, you know, I'm not, (laughs) you know, I'm not proud of those Mm -hmm. moments, but they happen, you know, and I'm determined not to become the adult white man who's still doing that bullshit. And I wasn't. And that's part of the reason why, you know, right? maybe time to talk some things out because you definitely have that urge from time to time. That is really
0: interesting though. And it obviously shows that the therapy you went through or like the stuff just on your own definitely helped because like, I don't know you as an angry person. Right. So that's good. I mean, maybe you're hiding it really well. <laughs> 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 so like, it is good that you didn't turn out to be like what you feared. And I know for me, that was one of my reasons. And one of the first things I said, and I think either my, I think it was in my console. Where I also said, like, I want to be able to control my anger because I don't have a very good relationship with my dad. And one of the reasons is that he has an insane temper. And, like, ever since I was a kid, like, I'd be pretty afraid of when he would, like, suddenly get really angry. Like, it was terrifying. And every once in a while when something happens, I see that little bit of him in me. And I don't want that because it's something that I hated that he did so I would hate it when I would suddenly blow up at someone I cared about like my partner or my friend or my mom or something because then I would immediately be like oh my god I'm like him like I did what I've always hated so that I know that was something that I brought up that I really wanted to work on was how to be able to control that if and when it happens and I think it's something that I guess like a lot of women don't talk about it as much because like anger is so often like associated more as like a male emotion <laughs> but like obviously we feel it too and like i know that when it happens to me i like it's very sudden and it and it's usually when i'm or it's not like Random. Like, it's because I'm also irritable because of other exterior factors, right? Like, my job was very stressful at the time, and I was like running on fumes, like running on empty. So, because of that, I had like a really bad temper because I was so stressed and I was so tired. If like the littlest thing would go wrong, I would blow up because it was like, I can't handle something going wrong right now. Like, I have too much on my mind. I'm juggling too much, you know? So, that definitely helped. And it's interesting because like, I don't even know if we tackled that specific thing directly. But I feel like over the course of the sessions and working on other stuff, like it kind of happened naturally in a way. Sometimes you go in, like, thinking you're going to talk about one thing and you end up talking about something else. But it's kind of all related and still ends up helping in a way. I do feel like I've become better at controlling that anger. But, like, I don't remember actually talking specifically about it in, like, one session.
1: Yeah, uh, very much the same for me. Like, that was never a focus of my sessions, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't remember every single minute of it. But it was more about, you know, just trying to get me in... A good place enough to being able to focus on schoolwork and actually go to school. Like that was the main thing. Like not get into confrontations with my teachers, and mm-hmm. things like that. But definitely post therapy, teenage Kev definitely learned to control his anger a lot more. Not to refer to myself in the third person. <laughs> I was kind of douchey. I'm sorry, um, Doctor Kev. We have post therapy, <laughs> Kev. But after you know, I got out of therapy, I would kind of judge my friends when I would see them acting out and getting into that, you know, punching walls kind Mm. of anger. Like I would look at them and judge them like, oh, I remember when I used to do that when I was 14. It is really
0: interesting because you learn to recognize those things not only in yourself, but in other people by going and like you see patterns and you start
1: to go like, oh, you're doing this because of this. Like maybe not saying it to them, but
0: you notice it, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm like, oh well, maybe they could benefit from a little therapy yeah. as well, you know. <laughs> exactly. and, and it's <laughs> part of like it's carried over into adulthood. It's like I, I don't consider myself an angry person. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have a very long feud. Yeah. They say there are people who have short fuses. I have a very long fuse. Like it f- takes a lot to upset you. Yeah. And, and part of the reason is, is I'm kind of afraid of myself mm-hmm. if that you know fuse were to ever reach the point like where...
0: Like you know what you're capable of, so you... Hold it off as long as possible. Cause you're like, I know yeah. that when I get mad I hulk out. So I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, put it's
1: this off. Very much a Bruce Banner type thing where you <laughs> like me when I'm angry. But the good news in that is that I've learned to control it and I am very rarely angry.
0: Anymore. I'm really happy to hear that. Because mm. again, like, I don't think, I think I've seen you angry like one or two times ever. <laughs> and it wasn't even, it wasn't like Hulk out angry. It was just like, circumstantially, it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, I would be too. And like, no judgment, because I've,
1: <laughs> I've, i mean, been there. mean, there are always going to be those moments.
0: Like, yeah. You know. I mean, that wasn't me judging. Like, I'm saying like, only one or two moments. Like, I don't consider you an angry person. I consider you quite a calm, even like a Zen person. Like, you're pretty chill. So it's interesting <laughs> to even think that you could have anger
1: issues because I'm like Cap, <laughs> Casey. No, I, I I'd like, like I can't tell it as well as some other people probably could. Like, so you know, maybe next time we get together, you know, a group of friends, God knows when that's going to be, but next time we do, maybe ask, maybe ask some people who have known me for decades. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were
0: going to say next time we get together, just try to piss me off, just try everything, uh, no, try no, whatever you can think of. No, to
1: don't do. Uh, see, that's the big part about, you know, my life and and therapy and the goal is like, I am just trying to maintain an even keel and trying to maintain my peace. And if happiness comes with that peace, that's great. You know, the big thing is and it's become kind of cliche like I think you've seen memes about it and stuff now it's like just don't disturb my peace like Mm -hmm. any person or thing in my life that disturbs my peace needs to see themselves
0: out no but that's actually really good and like that's something that I've been doing through therapy is like a huge part of therapy is knowing and setting boundaries. And I guess that's essentially what you're talking about. And like that can also be relationships with a person or just the person as a whole. Like I've kind of learned that I had to cut out certain people. Like, you know, you always hear that too. There's memes about like toxic people and like, you don't have to make room and time and energy for everyone.
1: Not meant to get along with every single person. Yeah.
0: It's impossible. Yeah. You can't and you shouldn't. And like, also, especially when like it is like, you can do whatever you can do, but you can't help the way that they are. And if like if you're consistently trying to make the relationship better but there's still a way that's toxic for you like you get to a point where you're like I have to cut this out then because you know like they're not acknowledging how they're harming me or if it's not like a cutting out situation and still staying friends with someone or whatever like still just having those boundaries of certain things it's good to have boundaries and know that like you can't cross these certain things of mine like you don't just have the right to say and do whatever you want you know like that's good to have and recognize.
1: And you just can't be afraid to say goodbye either mm-hmm. that, that's always been a part of me like I I want to be friends with everybody I want to maintain good relationships but it gets to that point where it's just like this person whoever they may be you know it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a person it could be a situation mm-hmm. it could be a totally. job you know there are many things but like when it reaches that point where it's just affecting you so negatively you can't be afraid to just move on yeah
0: and like for me i'm like a classic people pleaser and like want everyone to like me and i think so much about what other people think or might say that i like put it above even my own feelings so i often am like prioritizing people who don't even actually matter because i just want them to be happy and for me to not upset them that i'm upsetting myself because i'm like not thinking about myself you know so, like, that's something that I learned in one of my first sessions is my therapist actually told me, like, she was like, I want to challenge you to be more selfish in your life. And it sounds horrible because, like, selfish is not a good word. Like, it doesn't have a it positive connotation horrible. to it, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it was like, you need to practice thinking about yourself and prioritizing yourself a little bit more. It doesn't mean don't care about people don't have compassion. But it's also like, think of the situation. And like, does that person in this scenario matter more than you and your happiness? Like, is it worth what you're doing? And like, why are you doing it? Is it just because you want to be liked? And because you don't want to upset people? Or is there like an actual reason for this? You know, and I do find that I do a lot of stuff out of like fear or guilt. Or that whole thing of like wanting to be liked and wanting to people please. So it's it's been a process and a struggle to kind of like see that some people are toxic and like I'm not supposed to prioritize them anymore or, or certain situations. But yeah, it's, it's all part of it. It's definitely – it's been beneficial, but it's hard. It's,
1: you know, a lot harder for you than someone like me. Like I – Try and just focus my energy on being a good person. Mm -hmm. And I, overall, at the end of the day, I feel like I've succeeded in that, at least to this point. Mm -hmm. But I do, at the same time, see myself as a very selfish person. Oh, interesting. Like you said, you know, maybe destigmatize being selfish is Mm -hmm. something that is worthy of discussion because, you know, I I look at the situation and I'm like, I'm 38 now. You know, I've had experiences over my life when it's like, oh, you know, when when are you going to settle down? Maybe have some kids or something. And like, I've always said I'm too selfish Mm -hmm. to have kids Mm -hmm. because I like to focus on myself and my own happiness. And I really don't want to be holding to anyone, even if it is my own child. Mm And that's just how I've lived my life. And some people get that and some people don't. That's fine. What they do is for them what I'm doing is for me. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say I'm bad with kids. Like people see me with my nieces, nephews, uh, even other people's kids and be like, you're so good with them. You know, you'd know, you be a great dad. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, or maybe I would end up neglecting them because I want to do what I want to do. And I've never been put in a situation in my adult life mm-hmm. where I couldn't. No, it makes sense because
0: like, again, because of the word selfish and the way that we see it, that sounds like wow, you're, and this is not me saying this, I'm saying, like, objectively, like, people be like, wow, you're such a horrible person, you don't want to have kids, because you only think about yourself, but it's like, isn't there something in recognizing that, like, wouldn't you rather someone realizes that they still have, like, I don't know, goals or stuff, something that they want to achieve, or they want to travel, or they want to do this or that, or whatever, and they're like, I don't know how a kid fits into that, so therefore, I shouldn't have children, because I want to prioritize my own happiness, Rather than someone going, okay, I'm gonna have kids because that's what society expects of me, or that's what my family expects of me, or like that's the next rational like you know step. But then you have that kid, and you do neglect them because there are still things you want to do for yourself. Like, wouldn't it be better for that person to not have a kid? You know, like I, I think like that there way. are. Absolutely. Yeah, like I I don't think it's nice being a child that has like a selfish parent who like might not have you know their Best interest at heart because they're kind of thinking about themselves. So, wouldn't it be better if that potential parent just wasn't a parent?
1: <laughs> like, I don't see why that's bad. No, like- I don't think it's bad at all. And I think it's great to have that awareness. Mm-hmm. You know I, mean? I don't, and like you said, it's what society or your parents or your family thinks you should do. None of that registers to me. Mm-hmm. Like, the last thing I'm worried about. Not everybody has that benefit to, you know, not really care <laughs> about that kind of stuff. It's, you know, on the front. Forefront of a lot of people's minds, but that's just not Mm -hmm.
0: me. Yeah, a lot of people like give in to the pressure, and it's kind of good that you're like, no, I know what I want, and I'm sticking to it. Like you can't make me, and I like that because there's enough people out there who do want kids. Like it's okay if some people don't. (laughs) Definitely,
1: on every single word, like you said, it's a lot worse to then have that child and then not raise them properly because mm-hmm. it's not really what you're into or you're just going to resent
0: them yeah like because like that. you took away opportunities that i like things that i still wanted to achieve and now i can't do them because i have to raise you i know this sounds so horrible it sounds so callous but like it's true it's like if, Very true. if you still have things you want to do like why like because then that's not fair for that kid right so it's better that you just recognize that and you don't want to because there are people out there who do want kids like why do you have to have them if you don't want them and like i think that kind of also comes into play with relationships i think we've talked about this before and like i think that it's really good to be open and honest about that and like the weird part is like when do you say it right because I think it's, like, good to pretty early on talk about whether or not you want kids because it would suck if, like, one person in the relationship desperately – not desperately, but, like, definitely knows they want kids one day and the other one is, like, that's a definite no for me. It's better to know sooner because, like, I think both of those suck. It would suck for a person to go, okay, I won't have kids then because you don't want them. But I think possibly even worse – I don't know. I don't know if one's (laughs) worse than the other (laughs) – would be going – okay, I will have them because you want them. Because it's like that person might not stick around because they'll like forever resent that kid or something maybe because they're like, I didn't actually want children. I only did this, you know, because I kind of felt like I had to. So it is one of those conversations I think have to happen pretty early in relationships, but it's also like when's a good time, right? Because you're like on date three, if you bring it up, that person might be like, whoa, it's... (laughs) this ain't that deep like what's going on <laughs> yeah. but then you're also like you don't want to be year in and then bring it up and one person does and one person doesn't and then you're like what the fuck have we been doing this whole time like i yeah. can't really and, afford to waste my time
1: you know, it's obviously different situations uh for you and me you know male female 10 year difference you know mm-hmm. i'm pretty much at that point where people know like if you're 38 you don't have any kids by now you haven't really expressed interest in having you know probably not going to happen and you're definitely not pushing for it. If you were pushing for it, it would have happened Mm -hmm. at some point, you know, in the past 20 years. So yeah, it's, and it's kind of just established, like you said, very early on. It's very good to do Mm -hmm. that. Definitely. I've never, if I could leave one legacy, Mm -hmm. you know, when I'm, when I'm not here anymore and and my friends talk about me, I want them to be able to say that he was honest. Mm -hmm. He would always tell you how he felt. He wouldn't lie about it. If you asked him, you know, for advice, he wouldn't beat around the bush. That's the person I want to be. Pretty you know? true. And straight up, I will tell you how I feel and you can like it or not. And <laughs> it's not going to matter.
0: I mean, I, I love that. And that's that's definitely the version of Casey that I know. So that's good. You're on the right track. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's That's been me definitely for the time that
0: you've known. That's good. That's also kind of like what I'm kind of aspiring to be like more because I – I feel like I'm pretty honest, but it's again, because of that whole people pleasing, like not wanting to disappoint people, I hold back and I'm really bad with confrontation because of it. So that's something that I'm one of my main challenges and something that I'm trying to work through in therapy is like being better at confrontation. And one of the main things that I'm trying to remember in that is kind of like what you're saying of just like being honest and like you can like it or don't. And like, that's kind of always been it's been my issue for so long is because I hate disappointing people. It's hard for me to confront people because I overthink and I think about all the potential ways that that conversation could go. And I think of like, what if they say this? What if they say this? And like, I'm constantly thinking of all the ways that they could react when at the end of the day, no matter how they react, it doesn't change like my truth. Like that's what I'm supposed to focus on is like how I'm feeling what I have to say and not thinking about how they react. Because at the end of the day, I can't control how that person reacts. And it might have absolutely nothing to do with what I said. It's like, that's their own deal. That's a them problem. So that's something I'm trying to like get better at is when I am facing situations when like I have to... You know, just confrontation is like not thinking so much about what they might say and just being honest about what I have to say. And like they can react how they react and like that doesn't matter.
1: And it doesn't always have to be, you know quote-unquote confrontational either. Mm-hmm. When, when I say that, I don't say it in a mean-spirited way. No, like, of course. Like not. You know, like that's who I am. I'm not saying it like trying to get in your face, be like, like it or not. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <sure>. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> My way or the highway. Yeah.
1: yeah, you're not like. I mean, I, I yeah. am like that to some degree, but I try not to <laughs> do it in a, in a mean-spirited way. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's about having, it's still having tact and compassion while also being honest, right? Because like, you know, when people like say, look, sometimes they can be really brutally honest and be like hurtful. And then their excuse is just like, well, that's just me, like just being honest, like just saying it how it is. And it's like honesty without tact is just cruelty. Like you still have to like, don't be a dick about it. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah, like. And I definitely have friends who are, are that way yeah. as well. I, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to think I'm like them. in no, you sense not. I'm, not. I'm not, I'm never looking for confidence.
0: Yeah. And like, that's what I mean. When I said like, it doesn't matter what they say. I don't mean like, go into it, like hoping for a negative reaction or not even having any compassion for that person. It's just like, don't prioritize that person's reaction over what you need to say. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely you know it's a personalized it's, it's kind of like you know we may be on the same vacation but we may not have the same idea of how we want to spend our day mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be a confrontation it could just be you're going to go your way i'm going to go my way and then at the end of the day we're going to end up back at the same place yeah and, exactly you know talk about what we did mm-hmm. it's not like you have yeah, to it doesn't have to my be way, you have to do what i do
0: yeah it's not it no of course not and like that's what i mean by confrontation i don't mean like a fight i just mean like even with me like I've taken job offers that I didn't want because I didn't want to disappoint that person. Oof. That's the kind of thing that I do is what I'm saying when I say that I have to be more selfish and not prioritize other people. It's like, yeah. I'll be so upset about letting that person down that I am I genuinely think about them more. I think about like, well, what happens if I say no, then they have to find something. Like I just start thinking fully about them and how I could impact their life instead of thinking about how my life is impacted by maybe saying yes to this job I don't want. Mm. So like that's what I mean like by confrontation is even having to like say no to something like I can be pretty bad at saying no but then like by not saying no to others I'm kind of always saying no to myself (laughs) because I'm like prioritizing their wants and like pushing back what i want because i'm like okay well i'll just take this job and then i'll do what i want to do when it's over <laughs> like i can just push back my ambitions a little bit more because i don't want to disappoint this person or let them down mm. and like in hindsight a lot of them weren't even worth it like i don't know why i cared so much I'm like why I don't, why did i care so much about letting that person down like they didn't care about me so that's, it's like that kind of stuff is what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's another about.
1: part of the, the good selfishness. Yeah,
0: exactly. So like, that's what I mean about needing to be more selfish. It's not You like, could have
1: saved yourself all that mental anguish. Mm-hmm. So much. <laughs> Potentially <Yeah>. physical anguish. <laughs> uh, had you just said no. Like it's one word. Exactly. And then it's hard because
0: like, I find that people kind of know me for being the person who will probably say yes and do whatever. So I find that even when I do get the courage to say no they're not always receptive of it and they just keep going because like that's not for you she'll eventually back down so like
1: gotta watch out for them
0: yeah and that's like that's the issue because i've even gotten to the point where i'll be like no 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 and then it's like okay fine you know so it's about like not only being okay with saying no but like standing your ground um so
1: yeah working on that
0: (laughs) getting a little bit better
1: at it it all you know it comes back to having the luxury, I guess, that's probably not the right word, but the having the luxury to, to be able to say no. Yeah. It's also something to aspire to.
0: Yeah. It's not always like an option for sure. A lot
1: of people I'm sure who listen, like, you know, they've heard some of the stuff I've talked about and it's like, it's, I'm glad you have that option kev mm-hmm. but some other people you know might be forced into situations yeah that's
0: true or like i don't have a plan b if i say no to this job like i don't that's a like kind of sometimes been my issue too is like i'll take it because i'm like well if i say no to this what if i'm unemployed for like x amount you know like this much longer and then I'll regret not taking it so it's like I think about all those things instead of just like do I want this job (laughs) you know but it is a luxury to be able to say no and that is a very good point for sure I do want to probably not this one because it's already like gone on for a while but since we are both children of divorce I definitely want to discuss that a bit more and see how I guess, different it was for you and just like other children of divorce, because I think we all have very unique experiences. I mean, obviously, like divorce is pretty common now, yeah. uh, and has been for a while, but each person's experiences with it are still quite unique. So that's definitely something I want to delve into. That would be great. I'm like, I have so much to say. And I'm just like, I hope my mom and dad never listen to
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I was talking about them, I was like, good chance my mom's going to hear oh no
0: <laughs> yeah honestly like i said something about my mom in a previous episode of Rosion, and i was like mm, would she ever listen but like i feel like she wouldn't i feel like she would listen to like a few seconds and be like that's my girl and then like stop
1: <laughs> <laughs> no that, like i am you know as i said I, you know i was no angel growing up and my mother didn't really paint me out to be one but she will i am still her baby boy Aww. and she will listen to Everything that I put out there. Seriously? If she sees it, yes. Uh, she, she has told me, like, I can just listen to your voice. Aww. Because I don't get to see as much as I used to, obviously. Like, we haven't lived together in 20 years now. Right. So, yeah. She, she takes every chance she gets to listen to me and just hear my voice. Uh-huh. And I don't think she cares what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of sweet. And if you are listening, my mommy, I love
0: you. Oh, I was actually going to say, like, do a shout out to mom. And then you did. <laughs> how
1: cute see if she gets this far you
0: should ask her like mom did you hear my shout out she's like what are you talking about
1: oh she, she'll, she'll let me know if she does
0: sure. i love that um so i think we should kind of wrap up um i still don't have a closer so i'm hoping it comes organically uh because i tried to think of one and it just felt so forced if i just thought of like a random phrase to say at the end of a podcast like it felt really contrived to have one when I haven't done that many episodes yet. So if you think of a good one that has to do with the subject matter of this podcast, let me know. It'll,
1: I'll pick of something. It'll come to me in like the middle of the night. Yeah, the probably.
0: At like 4 a.m. <laughs> You're like, I got it! And it's just complete yep. nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dreaming. I'm like... <laughs>
1: That's a good one.
0: I'm practicing, I'm practicing saying no, so I'm going to pass but, but on go. it.
1: There you go. I'm just going to shoot random ideas just so you get used to telling people
0: no. Yeah, so I can practice saying random, no. What terrible a good, ideas. What a good friend. I try. You're such a good friend. <laughs> so I can practice being selfish. And then you can also, like, if I say yes, then you can be like, that was a test and you failed because that was a <laughs> shit suggestion and you said yes to it. So...
1: <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me, Kev. It was really nice. Anytime. Yes. It's been fun. Been slightly emotional. Yeah. I'll talk to you
0: tomorrow probably or immediately after this on our group chat.
1: Yeah, it sounds good.
0: <laughs> Bye, Kevin. Bye. P. Bye.